We're studying the book of Acts, and I didn't realize last year when I finished Acts 15, looking forward to Acts 16, that I would have as much fun personally studying uh, and doing research for the 16th chapter of Acts, and the messages that we've been studying in this chapter has been absolutely amazing. And it's no different uh, this weekend. I've entitled the message, Victim to Victor, and you'll know more about what that means here in a moment. Uh, we're going to be in Acts 16, beginning in verse 16, it will be our reading. So out of respect for God's Word, would you please stand for the reading of the Holy Scriptures Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Let's pray. God, thank you for the lessons we've been learning here In Acts chapter 16, thank you for how the Holy Spirit will speak to each of our hearts, those that are present, those that are watching live streaming right now. May we have hearts to hear and receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls, and may it find a home in our heart and not return back to you void, but accomplish what you've sent it forth to do, and it will prosper inside of us. I ask this in the names above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, You may be seated. In chapter 16, we have multiple stories of women, all of which could not be categorized as the same. You had a grandmother and a mother, Lois and Eunice, who were the grandparents and parents of a young man by the name of Timothy, who was exceptional and became a member of Paul's ministry team. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Then on Mother's Day, we talked about another woman that's mentioned in this chapter, Acts chapter 16. Her name was Lydia. And what a woman of God and a woman of faith that Lydia became. But now, in our study today, another woman, an unnamed woman, is is mentioned here in the story. This woman was a victim three times over. First of all, she was a victim because she was a woman living 2,000 years ago, which had, had zero rights unfortunately. Number two, she was the victim because she was owned by a master, sin evil number two that afflicted her life. And number three, she was a victim three times over because this poor unnamed woman was possessed by an evil spirit. But her path crossed the path of the greatest Christian that's ever lived and the greatest apostle that's ever lived, the apostle Paul. And something happened in her life which would alter the course of her life, and she would never be the same again. I have three thoughts that I want to share with you. Some of them, these points, may be somewhat controversial in the eyes and ears of some, simply because truth itself is very controversial. So I pray the spirit in which I will be sharing, that you will hear it with an an ear of faith and with a heart that hungers after God and after God's truth. 
Three points, and the first is this, get prayed up. Get prayed up. I love how our story begins in Acts 16, verse 6, the first part of that verse. Can we read it out loud together? Now it happened as we went to prayer. This is Dr. Luke, who, inspired of the Holy Spirit, recorded the Acts of the Apostles. He was a physician, a Gentile, that traveled with the Apostle Paul and recorded the events that we have the privilege of reading and studying in the book of Acts. And he said, now it happened as we, Paul, Dr. Luke, Silas, who was Paul's uh, sidekick, his, his ministry companion, his partner in ministry, and Timothy, we know that. We know those four for sure, and whoever else was a part of the team. All of these men together, they had a time in their life when they made priority, that, that, that made prayer a priority on a given day or a given week. I love it. Now it happened as we went to prayer. Things happen <laughs> when we make prayer a habit, when we make prayer a priority. There is a time for prayer. You know, uh, many guys, they have a tea time. Well, men, you should have a prayer time. Whether it's 5 p.m. on Saturday nights, or 8.30 in our classic service on Sunday mornings, or 10 a.m., as you are in this service, or 11.45. Imagine, we have four prayer times every weekend here at Trinity. You, you are able to make at least one of those four make your choice and make it a priority that it is a time for prayer. It is a time when we go to God's house and make serving God a priority in our family and in our life. There is probably not a greater example that a father could set for his family, his wife, and his children than to make going to church a priority. That a man doesn't just send his wife and kids to church, but a man comes to church. Imagine your little son, your little daughters, your children growing up, watching you set that example and how it will serve them well and will serve for generations to come well if Christ tarries. Paul is our example, and when they went to prayer, at the hour of prayer, something happens. Something always happens. In the book of Acts, there are numerous occasions when God's people would get together for prayer. Whether it was in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place in one accord, and they were waiting in an attitude of prayer, and an attitude of worship, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and the Holy Spirit sat upon each of them like cloven tongues of fire, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Every time God's people in the book of Acts got together, something happened. And on this day, as they went to prayer, something happened. Prayer, prayer must be a priority. I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He said, men ought always to pray and not give up. Thank God for the women who pray. But in that particular verse, Jesus was challenging all the men. He said, men ought always to pray and not give up. One indicator that is proof that you will not quit, not throw in the towel, and not give up is if you, as a man, will make prayer a priority in your life. Men ought always to pray and not give up. There's a cartoon that pictured a, a little boy who was kneeling in prayer for his family, and obviously he was upset with God. And the caption of this little cartoon, it says that and the little boy's praying, Aunt Harriet hasn't gotten married, Uncle Herbert hasn't any work, and Daddy's hair is still falling out. I'm getting tired of praying for this family with no results. <laughs> 
And sometimes it can feel that way. But Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't give up in praying. Don't give up in seeking God. Men ought always to pray and not give up. Get prayed up. And no sooner did they commit to the, to the hour of prayer that prayer itself incites demonic activity. It's not coincidental that the Bible says as they went to prayer, all of a sudden they met up with this demon-possessed woman. So number one, get prayed up. Number two, get fed up. That's my second point. Get fed up. Uh, once again, look at Acts 16, beginning in verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit remember that phrase brought her masters much profit by fortune telling this girl followed paul and us and cried out uh, that word literally, literally means she shrieked with a high pitched voice Men, you know there's nothing that can drive a man crazy than a woman screeching and screaming at you with a high-pitched voice. Now, of course, I'm not talking about your wife. She loves you. She would never do that. But there are women sent by the devil <laughs> to torment. And she was tormenting Paul, and, it said, <laughs> and what she was saying was true, actually. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did, look at this, for many days. Not just for one day, not just for two days. I mean, Paul could handle a day or two of this. But this was many days, and I love this. But Paul, greatly annoyed, he got to a place where he got fed up. He got greatly annoyed annoyed. And then he turned and he said, not to the girl, she's the victim. He said to the evil spirit that possessed her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. How many know there's power in the name of Jesus Christ? <laughs> Demons have to obey a command that is given in the holy, majestic, glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to this, this poor woman, three times over a victim, a woman, a slave, possessed by, the, by an evil spirit. Matter of fact, the Bible says she had a spirit of divination, a spirit of divination. You look up that word divination in the Greek, and it's where we get the word python, a, a name of a serpent, of a, of a snake, this demon-possessed girl that followed Paul and his company actually was possessed by this, this spirit, this Pythian deity. In the day of Paul, uh, there was a python spirit that the people of that era that worshipped false gods were familiar, familiar with uh, at the oracle at Delphi. Uh, she was inspired by Apollo, which had a Pythian deity inside, and this spirit of div divination or the, this python spirit, and it's not coincidental that the serpent in the garden, that the devil came in the form of a, of a serpent, and this woman was possessed with this genuine evil spirit. There are evil spirits that can possess people. Still today, there are, evil, there are people that are possessed by evil spirits and can only be set free 
by the majestic and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Early in my ministry years, I had the privilege of my former church to travel, and I've been literally all over the world on missions trips. And I remember uh, we were once in, happened to be in India. We were in a village in India, and the young believers in that village believed that to cast the devil out of somebody that you had to hit them with your Bible. <laughs> and, and so God bless them. You know, that's not going to get the job done. We were in a village, and there was this this woman that was possessed of an evil spirit and, and writhing on the floor and convulsing on the floor, and they were yelling at her something and, and hitting her with the Bible. And we came up and through our interpreter said, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. And we simply commanded that evil spirit to release that woman in the name that's above everything. The name of Jesus. I mean, you know, the devil knows all the languages of the world too, so no matter what country you're in, he knows when you're talking and, and given a command in the name of Jesus. And we spoke to that evil spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to release that woman and set her free. God is our witness that she was delivered in that moment. That spirit lifted, she calmed down, she, she had a peace that came upon her, and she ends up accepting Christ, accepting Jesus Christ. This woman was possessed of an evil spirit. Now, you think, now wait a minute, she was advertising for God though, what's wrong with that? She was saying the right thing. These are men of God, and they preach the way of salvation. These are men of God, and they preach the way of salvation. But listen, a demon confessing Christ is more lethal than demons denying Christ. It's better to have a false witness. You see, a false witness for Christ does more damage than a fierce enemy of Christ. Better to face a fierce enemy of Christ in the gospel than someone that's motivated by an evil spirit. Listen, not everybody that names the name of Jesus is of God. Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit in his letter to the Corinthians, chapters 12, 13, and 14, he goes into great detail about that. No one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, in the last days, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out devils, and in your name, perform many wondrous works. And he will simply say to them, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You see, not everyone that can pull a rabbit out of a hat, or not everyone that can prophesy or pray in tongues or perform some miracle, and there are authentic, genuine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. There are gifts of the Spirit. There are miracles that can be performed through faith and prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. But there are counterfeit miracles. There are false Christs. There are those who in the name of Christ want to deceive the masses and bring glory to themselves and rob the glory that only belongs to God, and you must know your Bible. You must have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that you're not swept away in these last days in the great deception and the great apostasy and the great falling away that's predicted in the Holy Scriptures. Know your Bible and draw close to Jesus and love Him like you've never loved Him before, and you won't be deceived. You'll know the real from the counterfeit. Paul knew this was a counterfeit spirit, an evil spirit, a spirit of divination, and finally he got fed up. He became greatly annoyed. What's annoying you today? Got anything that's annoying you, a spirit that's annoying you in your life? Think of all the annoyances in this postmodern world that we live in today. It's absolutely crazy. In 2018, there was a movie called A Quiet Place, and there was a science fiction movie and it was a, about a, a post-apocalyptic dystopian age, time in the planet Earth, when these extraterrestrial aliens invaded the Earth, and they ate people. That's always a bad thing when you're invaded by aliens that eat people, right? When you're on the menu, that's a bad thing. And so, but these, these, these aliens 
they were blind, but they could hear. They had an acute sense of hearing. So as long as you remained quiet, they couldn't find you, they couldn't eat you. So everybody in the movie, it was like a movie that was like, I could have starred in that movie. You didn't have to say anything. Like no lines, right? And the tagline for the movie was this, if they hear you, they hunt you. I thought, well, there's a spiritual application to this, you know, because this world has been invaded with extraterrestrial beings called fallen angels, evil spirits, and the only way you and I are going to survive is we have to find that quiet place. We need to find that solitude, that silence before God in the place of prayer. We must go to our room and close the door behind us and get alone with God. That's the only way we're going to survive is to have your regular quiet time to be silent before the Lord, to sit in his presence and allow your spiritual batteries that are drained throughout the day to be recharged. The greatest men and women, that's ever, men and women that have ever lived have been able to navigate the storms of life because of prayer and solitude. Think of Jesus in his life, his example. On many occasions, he would wake up early in the morning and he would leave his disciples. They didn't even know where he was going. And he would go to a solitary place and there he would get alone and there he would pray. And there he would be able to collect his thoughts and he would be able to keep his heart spiritually tuned with the Father. And this is not because he had to fight sin. He was God in human form. He was sinless. But in this fallen world, there are so many distractions. Even Jesus made prayer. Though he was God in human form, Jesus made prayer and communion with the Father a priority in his life. Think of the tsunami of input the deluge of information, the avalanche of entertainment options in our world today, distraction after distraction after distraction that we have to contend with on a daily basis. It's like the 10 plagues in Egypt, right, in the book of Exodus. It's like a a plague of distraction that is inundating us daily, emails, text messages, cable news, advertisements, cell phones, meetings, wireless web, connections, social media posts, notifications of being a bong and a dong every few seconds. It's driving us crazy. Go to your closet. Shut the door behind you. Sometimes you need to make a no-meeting day throughout the week. You need to block out time. You need to silence and completely turn off your cell phone for 60 to 90 minutes at a time throughout the day, at least once a day. I knew there'd be complete silence. You see, you can't get your phone to be completely silent, but a preacher can get his church to be, shh. This has become a quiet place. See, now I've gone from preaching to meddling, right? But I'm called to step on some people's toes. I first, God first steps on, he stomps on my toes, and then I come and just die delicately step on your toes. Yeah. You know, exposure to radiation can be harmful, right? You go to the dentist and they say, it's that time, we need to take pictures of your teeth again, right? X-ray your jaw, whatever, make sure everything's okay. And they put this big lead jacket on you, and then they get behind this protective wall, and then they zap you. And you can't do that regularly. Why? Because uh, exposure to radiation can be harmful. You know, there's radioactive news that you got to quit exposing yourself to. There's radioactive entertainment and radioactive social media that if you expose yourself to large doses of, it will kill your soul and relationship with Christ. Oh, come on, church. You know, cigarettes, pharmaceuticals like Adderall and Prozac, you know, they all come with warning labels. 
I think it's time for social media outlets to put warning labels for young people that too much exposure to this could be damaging to your spiritual, emotional, and even physical well-being. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Even though it's graduation month and everyone has their minds on graduating. <laughs> I'm like, this is a message for the, for the early part of the year, for fall, when everyone's present. I don't think that I, I preach my hardest messages during the summer when no one's here. I, this is when the God gives them to me. I come and I preach them. Amen. Okay, that's just behind-the-scenes stuff right there. But <laughs> Consider the recent research findings. You know, a study in the Journal of Association of Consumer Research found that the closer you are to your turned-off smartphone, the more it acts like mental kryptonite. Simply keeping it anywhere near you distracts you and can lessen your capacity to think. The more time people spent on Facebook, the worse they felt and the less satisfied they were with their lives, according to University of Michigan researchers in a 2013 article. And get this, people watching news coverage of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing, those simply watching the news coverage reported higher acute stress two to four weeks after the tragedy than the very people that were there and were near the bombing and explosion when it went off by simply overdosing on news and all the negativism that was on the news about that bombing. Even Pavlov's dogs develop neurosis and psychosis as a result of extreme stimulation that cannot be properly incorporated into existing thinking and reactions. It's time to get prayed up, it's time to get fed up, and it's time to shut that phone off for a while. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'll get off my high horse. <laughs> See if you can do it. People are going through withdrawals and starting to shake and quiver because they don't have access to their phones. That's what we've come to today. Lord, help us. Now, those of us over 50, we don't understand what you younger generation are going through. I hate social media. Sorry, I just do. I, I, I don't care about it. I don't want to be on it. I don't, I don't want to communicate. If you want to talk to me, meet me after service. Don't, don't, don't poke me or direct message me, DM me, PM me, AM me, whatever they is. I don't even have my notifications on. I'm my, my great assistant. He does all that for me. Amen. Now you know. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry. Just don't sin. You see, things won't change. The devil won't stop annoying you. The devil won't stop harassing you until you get prayed up, until you get fed up, until you stomp your foot on the ground, draw a line in the sand and say, devil, no more. You've come too far. I'm not putting up with it anymore. And go to war in Jesus' name by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Amen. Whew. Finally, number three. It's going to get rough now. I'm just warning you. It'll be over soon. You'll make it, I promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, you'll make it. I'm here with you all the way to the end. Amen. Nobody getting up early. Shut those doors and lock them, security. <laughs> That's why you all stay home and watch on TV or the internet, whatever. All right. Get prayed up. Get, get fed up. Number three, get locked up. Hmm. Verses 19 through 21, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, interesting, their hope of profit was gone. 
They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. Now, they seized Paul and Silas because they were Jews. They didn't seize Luke or Timothy or any other members of the ministry team, just Paul and Silas. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews. You know, there's always been the hatred of Jews in the world. Anti-Semitism has always existed in the world. It's a very real evil. All racism is evil. But the group of people that the devil hates the most, of all the people on the earth, of all the nationalities on the earth, he hates the Jews the most. Why? Because Jesus was a Jew. The Savior of the world was a Jew. All the prophets were Jews. The Word of God, the Word of truth, the prophecies about his demise all came through Jewish holy men of old. Satan hates the Jewish people. Please make sure there is no racism in your heart towards anybody, period, but especially towards the Jewish people. He said, they're exceedingly troubling our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Now listen, this woman harassed Paul and his team for many days. Why did it take so long for Paul to finally get annoyed and do something about it? Because he was no dummy. The Apostle Paul understood that there would be consequences. He did not live in a democratic country. It was a, a monarchy. It was, the, it, was, it was Rome. It was the rule of law by one man, Caesar. So he knew that he didn't have necessarily the courts on his side. So he knew that if he cast the devil out of this woman who was the possession of another individual, as evil as that is, she was a slave owned by her masters. He knew that if he cast this spirit of divination out, because she could tell fortunes, because the devil knows your business, he's been around a long time, he knows everything about you and, and all your family generations, so he can lie to deceive you. He knew that this business would be shut down. How many know there are some businesses that need to be shut down, just plain and simple? Some businesses don't deserve to make a profit. Some businesses don't even deserve to be open. So Paul dealt with this not on a social level, but on a spiritual level. Listen, there are so many problems in our country and in our world, but the most severe problem is our separation from God. There are two sins that are mentioned, two predominant sins that are mentioned in the book of Genesis. The first sin mentioned in the Bible was man's separation from God in the garden, Genesis 3. The second sin that's mentioned in Genesis was man's sin against man when Cain killed his brother Abel. First sin is our separation between us and God. Second sin mentioned is our separation between us and our fellow man. So the Apostle Paul did not address the separation between his fellow man. He didn't try to stop slavery, pass laws. That is one strategy that in a free democratic society you're able to address on one level. But all Paul could do was address the problem not socially, but spiritually. He didn't boycott fortune tellers and, you know, and, you know have picket signs, and, and then may not, there, there may not be anything wrong with that. Paul dealt with this problem because all problems begin with our separation from God. He dealt with this problem on a spiritual level. And he had the authority of the king of all glory, Lord Jesus Christ, to look at that demon inside that woman and give that demon a command, and that demon had to obey Paul. But he knew when that happened, she would no longer be able to tell fortunes, and her, the owners of that woman would be upset, and sure enough, they were furious. They end up beating Paul and Silas, throwing them into jail. We'll preach on that next weekend. And God had a, 
he had a plan to set Paul and Silas free because at midnight they began to worship God and praise God. Their backs were bleeding, their feet were in shackles, their hands were chained, but that didn't stop them in the worst of circumstances to give God praise and glory and God sent an earthquake and the prison doors flung open and Paul and Silas were gloriously set free. What are you willing to get locked up for? Is there anything? You know, I think of so many people in the history of the world and of our nation and of Scripture that were willing to stand for what is right and true, no matter the consequences. You can't help but think of Martin Luther King Jr. and how he was willing to be locked up. He was willing to give his life for what he believed in and his peaceful protest against the ungodly treatment of blacks in our country during that period of time. Abraham Lincoln, and all these people, Dwight Eisenhower, and so many others that our founding fathers, they pledged, they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor as they signed the Declaration of Independence. And I believe all, was it 56 signers? All of them ended up ultimately becoming martyrs for the freedom that we take advantage of and take for granted today. They gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor because when they signed that document, in the eyes of England, it was treason. Get prayed up. Get fed up. And you just might get locked up. Hopefully not. You know, Canada was looking to pass a law, and in Canada, this law is... uh, to remove kids from parents who reject transgender ideology. Threatening a father if he calls his daughter who's transitioning to be a son, continues to call her a daughter, they will take her from him and they will lock him up. Those, these are the crazy times in which we find ourselves living in today. But some establishments need to be put out of business. Businesses that prey on people's vices, pander to their lusts, debase humanity, wreck homes and ruin health and spread disease, those businesses need to be shut down. Not because we stand outside in protest necessarily, but because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because only Christ can change a heart and change a life, and when someone's life is changed, they won't want to commit adultery. They won't want to have an abortion. They won't want to support gay marriage. They won't want to live a homosexual lifestyle. Why? Because the God of all glory has come to live inside of them, has changed their heart and given them a heart of flesh, and now they want to live for Christ, and now they want to follow Christ, and now they want to love Him. It doesn't mean they won't have any struggles. They may have a struggle every day of their life for the rest of their life, but there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ, and we must deny ourselves daily and take up that cross and follow Him, not in our own strength, but in the strength that He provides each and every day. And that's why we must get prayed up, and we must get fed up so that we can walk in truth and freedom that Christ has promised to all of those who seek Him with all of their heart. There is an answer. There is a way, and there is life, and it's Christ. Do you think these establishments of ill repute, these dens of iniquity will be happy when all of their patrons start getting saved and no longer go to those places? They're not going to be happy. But I'll tell you what, that soul that's been bound by sin is going 
to be happy. You think the abortion industry is going to be happy when people like Abby Johnson, Abby Johnson switch sides and become defenders of life and protectors of life? No, but that industry does need to be shut down. Do you think all these porn peddlers are going to be happy when men and women reject the sin of pornography and stop saying yes to the temptations of the devil and start saying yes to the call of Christ in their life? Yes, they're going to get angry, but that person's going to get free, and that's what it's all about. And how do we accomplish that? We accomplish that by the preaching of the gospel. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. There is still power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may not change the abortion laws, and yes, we should work towards that because we live in a free, democratic society. We may not overturn gay marriage, but yes, we should fight for that, for that is the truth of God's Word, the sanctity of life and the sacredness of marriage and our religious freedoms. But if the laws never change, our hope is not in changing laws. Our hope is in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, changing souls, one life at a time, one heart at a time, one soul at a time. For the gospel invitation is, for whosoever will, let him come and drink freely of the waters of life. And when you drink of the water that Christ offers you, you will never thirst again. It's the living water, and only Christ offers us the living water. But I believe we should put some businesses, some establishments out of business. You know, I, I heard an alarming s a statistic last week in my research. You know the top four websites in the world? You know what the top four websites in the world are? Number one, Google. Number two, Wikipedia. Number three, Netflix. And guess what number four is? A website called Pornhub. It started in Montreal, Canada in 2017. It's the fourth most popular, most visited website. Literally tens and hundreds of millions of men and women. The average age is 36. Go to this site to view the sexual, ex the sexual exploitation of men and women, and many times it leads to the sexual exploitation of children. That place needs to be put out of business and the way we could put it out of business is, first of all, if all the people that call themselves Christian would unsubscribe and stop going to those dens of iniquity, we could put a stop to it right now if every Christian in the world today that names the name of Christ said, I have had enough, draw a line in the sand, get annoyed, get prayed up, get fed up, and say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I command you to get out of my life once and for all. Woo! And I'll tell you what, that devil has to obey. Oh, if only it could be that easy. Oh, friend, it can be. It can be. If you get prayed up and you get fed up, you get annoyed, it's been harassing you and your family from generation to generation long enough, it's time to say it's stopping here. It's stopping now, and it's going no further in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. We can help put a stop to that evil of sex trafficking. I was thinking, you know, if Robert McCall from The Equalizer, Brian Mills from Taken, and John Wick, if those three guys could get together, we could stop all the sex traffickers. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my mind thinks. Anyway, 
I pray sometimes, God, make somebody a Samson today just to go beat up on the workers of iniquity. Those that hurt women and children, I tell you what. That's not very Christian. Well, I don't know. Pray for me then. It's something. I'm reading the Old Testament right now. It's all blood and guts and war and fighting and all that other stuff. (laughs) I know I need to get to the New Testament real quick. Amen. (laughs) So what's annoying you besides my preaching right now? (laughs) Are you prayed up? Are you fed up? Well, you might get locked up. Hope not, hope not, hope not, hope not, hope not. But what do you believe in enough that you're willing to lay it all on the line for? I hope you have that in your heart. I hope it's never tested, but I hope you have that in your heart. That's why we handle the problems, the evils of today, spiritually, first and foremost, but also socially. That's why, whether you call yourself a Democrat or a Republican, I hope you call yourself a Christian. And if you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you should vote your conscience. Who cares about the party? Vote for life. Vote for righteousness. Vote for truth. Where's your allegiance? May your allegiance not be to a country. May your allegiance be not to a nationality or not to a particular race or a particular culture, but may your allegiance and may my allegiance be to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the King of glory, wherefore we are citizens of heaven. Paul dealt with the social problems by first dealing with the spiritual problems that we're all lost sinners without hope outside of Christ. But Jesus loves everybody, and Jesus died for everybody. And whosoever will, they could come. And Jesus said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise send away. He will not say to you, you're too this, or you're too that, or you're too sinful, or you're too far gone. For where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And God has more grace and God has more mercy than this nation or the nations of the world have sin. You can gather all the sin in our world and pile it high and the grace of God will always exceed the sin that's in this world for God is full of grace and full of mercy and he gives it freely to those who ask. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today and we say, Lord, speak to us. Holy Spirit, solidify the voice of God through this message in my heart and in my life today. Seal it, Holy Spirit, today in the name that's above every name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, oh, he loves you. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. You simply need to hear his voice calling you into relationship with him. And he'll come into your life and he'll change your life from the inside out. That's you. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Say it with your own mouth. Mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, 
You're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?